Chuck Smeaton from the Royal Institution of Australia, and this is the Cosmos Briefing Podcast. I'd like to begin by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land wherever you are listening from today, and I'd like to pay my respects to Elders past and present. Frogs have been vanishing in large numbers across the east coast of Australia since June, and we're not entirely sure why. They've been turning up sick and dying, with some populations disappearing within a week or two. We spoke to Dr Jody Rowley, the amphibian and reptile curator at the Australian Museum, to find out what's happening. Today's interview is hosted by Cosmos journalist Lauren Fuge. So Jody, tell me when you first started hearing reports about this, what were they saying? When it first started getting cold around June, there were a few reports that I saw on social media, on Facebook in particular, just north of Sydney with some dead and dying green tree frogs. Now, if a frog is going to die, it will probably die in winter because frogs' immune systems really slow down as everything does as it gets cold. So you do occasionally see sort of a few uh, sick and dying frogs in the first kind of cold snap. So that was when we first started seeing things. So it was not nice to see, but I didn't get immediately alarmed. It wasn't until July, uh, around sort of mid-July, that I got uh, back from actually being in the field and I had some people from around Scott's Head contact me in northern New South Wales and they said, look, we've been finding sick and dying frogs. Uh, we're really concerned. Would you, would you like to do a radio interview? So I actually did a radio interview with ABC uh, on northern New South Wales and it was followed up by a subsequent uh, article focusing on the sort of Scott's Head area and saying, have you seen any sick or dying frogs? And I had a photograph and I had a call to action, which was to email the frog. ID email. And it was then that I started to realise that this was serious because we weren't just getting reports around Scott's Head or just north of, of Sydney. We were getting reports from across particularly New South Wales, northern New South Wales, southeast Queensland. And so it was at that stage I went, right, this is, is definitely not normal and we need to get the word out even more. Where is this occurring? Uh, what is the scale? What species are being affected? And, of course, I've, I've been in lockdown since this started. Uh, so I really needed the help of everyone out there. And so I paired up with Dr Carrie Rose uh, at the Australian Registry of Wildlife Health in Taronga and we wrote an article for the conversation and it went live at about 6am and I just remember checking the email and it was just junk, 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 just emails. I think 20 minutes after we, we had, I think we ended up getting, you know, dozens of emails and every single one, sick frogs, dead frogs, dying frogs with photos of the frogs attached. Uh, and in the first day, I think we got about 280 emails from people across Australia, but particularly Eastern Australia, reporting sick and dying frogs. Uh, and that was as heartbreaking. Wow. So how many reports have you got so far in total, do you reckon? And what kind of what geographical extent has it been? So far around 1,200 reports, which is uh, doesn't roll off the tongue very nicely when you're talking about dead and dying frogs. So quite a lot of reports from North Queensland all the way down to Tasmania and, and even in southwest WA as well, a few reports. Now, every state and territory we have some reports of. Uh, it's hard to tell with some reports, you know, frogs do die. So occasionally you will see a dead frog. So is this something abnormal or not? Uh, potentially, you know, it just it just died and someone found it. Potentially it's, it's 
bigger than that and it's something more serious. So the only place where for sure where we really know that something not normal is happening, something that is really, really worrying is, is particularly eastern Australia from south, southeast Queensland uh, throughout New South Wales. Even inland as west as Light, Lightning Ridge we've been getting reports as well. So it's, it's huge in scope and so far 30 native species as well as the cane toad have been reported dead and dying. So the majority of port reports are green tree frogs, but mm -hmm. we don't really know if that's because that's the, the big frogs that tend to be around your houses and, and that's the ones that people tend to be seeing dying. What I'm particularly worried about is the threatened species, the rarer species, the ones that are out living in forests and streams that if they die, potentially no one is going to notice and report them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Can you just tell me, like, obviously this is really worrying, but can you tell me what role frogs play in the Australian ecosystem and why they're so important? Yeah, well, that's one of the reasons we need to be really concerned about this mortality event is because how important frogs are. So even though you might think of a frog as kind of a tiny thing that might not play such an important role in ecosystems, in most healthy ecosystems, frogs are really, really abundant. And if you sort of counted the biomass up of all the, the frogs, the mammals, the birds, so if you kind of made imaginary piles in your head of all of the different kinds of animals, in many ecosystems, the frog pile would be the biggest. Uh, so individually, they're small, but together, they're huge. And they are a little bit of a kind of a glue or a cog in, in the sort of whole ecosystem. So they have these typically two really different life stages, a tadpole that it lives in freshwater habitats and an adult that lives on the land. And so they're really, really important for nutrient flow, energy dynamics, food webs. Uh, frogs and tadpoles are delicious treats for, for a lot of organisms. And they also eat tons of invertebrates, including pest species. So, uh, you know, in places where frogs have unfortunately declined considerably or even disappeared, uh, like Central America, we know what happens when frogs disappear. Streams clog up with algae because the tadpoles aren't there anymore all the other animals that tend to rely on frogs for food start to then disappear in kind of waves uh, as the next sort of animal goes and, and even after uh, more than a decade nothing kind of steps up and fills the role that frogs perform in ecosystems so it's really really clear not just because frogs are amazing and awesome and and they're you know an, a fantastic unique part of Australia and an important part a lovely sound in summer that you know Australia wouldn't be the same without the calls of frogs in spring um, but they are really important for, for healthy mm. ecosystems. We need them around for healthy ecosystems and our very own survival. Yeah. So what do you think might be causing this die-off right now? Do you have any working hypotheses? The number one culprit is the amphibian chytrid fungus, and this is a pathogen that's been uh, in Australia since at least the 70s, and it's responsible for amphibian declines and extinctions around the world. Uh, and unfortunately, we kind of can't get rid of it. We believe that we introduced it into Australia and it was introduced kind of around the world through potentially the pet trade uh, or, or sort of movement uh, around the world. Uh, and it is having an impact on Australian frogs. We know that a lot of frogs that are threatened, one of the main reasons they're threatened in Australia is because of this disease. And it's so hard to manage because it will be in protected areas. You know, you, can, you can't really get rid of it. It's just there. What we can do is kind of help frogs in other ways and make sure that they can kind of, um, I guess, tolerate the, the sickness at the same time. And I think it's never been uh, such, a, I guess, an easy time to communicate the importance of contagious disease to people because 
frogs have been battling this epidemic, um, this you know, pandemic for frogs for, for a really long time. Um, why, though, if it is this disease, that it's impacting frogs so hard right now? So we've never had anything reported of this scale before. Certainly there were massive declines of frogs in the kind of early 80s, late 70s, um, and we hope we're not witnessing the same kind of thing here. Uh, so that's the number one culprit, but there are some things that don't quite line up. So we're investigating absolutely everything. So we're looking at toxins, we're looking at other kind of stresses, viruses, bacteria, um, all different kinds of fungus, even whether this is a new strain of the amphibian chytrid fungus. So, uh, you know, a bit like the, unfortunately, sort of the, the Delta strain or something like that, where there's something's changed. Why are frogs being hit so hard by whatever this is? Mm. And how do you narrow down the culprits? Like, do you, you've get, you're getting a lot of reports from people and pictures, but do you need to actually get samples and see the frogs themselves? Yeah, and that's really, really challenging right now because particularly in New South Wales, which represents about 70% of all of the reports that we're getting, uh, we're mostly in lockdown and so it's really, really difficult. So this has been all thanks to the people across Australia, uh, not only reporting but also for New South Wales, they've been taking uh, dead frogs that they find and they've been freezing them for us. So we're going to work out logistics, but we have uh, hundreds of frogs in freezers across <laughs> New South Wales that have died and people have then uh, carefully collected uh, and they're storing for us so that we can then perform really important vital tests on these uh, frogs that they've found and also taking sick frogs to vets that are then collaborating with us. So we've got a network of vets across Australia that are collaborating with us and getting the tests done and sending them back to us, which are definitely easier to send than frozen, frozen dead frogs. So it's, uh, I guess, a massive coordination. So the Australian Museum Museum, working with uh, Taronga, working with vets across the country and other biosecurity and conservation organisations at the state and federal level, all trying to determine the cause of this frog mortality event in the midst of our own pandemic as well. Yeah. What kinds of tests do you run on, on the frogs? What are you looking for? So very much similar to the kinds of tests that we run on people, on, on us, if, if we get sick and we think something's wrong with us. So uh, a lot of, um, the, there'll be a lot of toxin testing uh, done by DPI. Uh, we're also at the Australian Museum running a lot of molecular tests. So in, in a similar way to testing for COVID with a swab, um, with frogs, if something affects their skin, like the amphibian chytrid fungus, you can just swab them and then run exactly the same kind of test in the lab that will sort of just screen for that particular um, fungus but we're also screening for other things molecularly and the Australian Registry of Wildlife Health is also uh, actually doing pathology so when samples get sent to the vet then they can make little sections of the skin and examine them with a microscope as well as doing additional tests including molecular tests so we're looking at it from every kind of front possible um, and we don't want to assume that it is the kind of most likely cause um, but we, we want to really understand what is causing this and then the next step, obviously, is, is how can we stop it from, from happening like this again in the future? Yeah. How many different samples do you think you need um, in order to figure this out? And will you have to get samples from lots of different regions as well? Yeah, we need as many as we can. And so people have been amazing. So we do have samples from uh, across particularly New South Wales, but also Queensland and Victoria, and we're collaborating with government agencies uh, to actually all come to kind of a conclusion. We have 
probably more than 200 frogs that we have access to test for, which is quite a lot, which is really good. But every single additional frog gives us more power to be able to sort of come to a, a decisive conclusion. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I feel like this must be pretty difficult for you as a, a frog researcher to, to see this happening. Like, how do, you, how do you feel as someone who spends their life studying reptiles and amphibians to see this happening? That's awful. I mean, uh, I can't imagine what it would, is like for the people, though, that are actually experiencing the dead and dying frogs themselves. So it kind of gives me goosebumps reading some of the stories of people that have, you know, green tree frogs can live for almost 30 years or even more sometimes. And so these become kind of like pets, you know, they're, they're, they're not sort of captive and they're not in tanks or anything, but they're, you know, that's Freddie who lives in the letterbox. That's, you know, this frog that, that's got a little white spot there and then he sits out there every day. So people become really attached, particularly to green tree frogs, but obviously it's sad to see any other kind of frog. And for them to say, you know, that they usually have 30 frogs in their kitchen in in summer uh, you know and they're out on their property and now they're just finding all their dead frogs some of which have names you know that are now dead and dying across their kitchen on their deck throughout their paddocks uh you know I, people have been sending me before and after photos so the little frog that that you know this is him three months where he sits in different places now this is him now and it's just a a dead frog um it's heartbreaking for them and it's heartbreaking for me and so spending you know hours and hours every Every day replying to these emails also while in lockdown um, and not being able to get out there myself and try and see what was going on was really tough. Um, mm. I think the only way I've kind of, I guess, got through it uh, is to take heart in the fact that people care, that I'm not the only one that's concerned and worried about our frogs, that there are people across Australia that are willing to do things that might seem crazy, like Ziploc a dead frog and put it in their freezer, you know, like things... They've just been absolutely amazing, taking the time to find out what to do, to send as many details as possible, taking photos of dead frogs, uh, you know, and, and this is this is what we need. This is desperately what we need to get to the bottom of this because frogs decompose very rapidly uh, and so if we don't, you know, by the time conditions get to the stage where I can go out there and look for frogs, uh, then they're probably all gone. So if it's not for all of these contributions from people across Australia in helping us get to the bottom of this, um, then, you know, we, we would be nowhere. And, of course, the other thing is that, you know, Australian Museum ran an event and asked people to donate to try and help us get to the bottom of this. And people did, you know, kids donating their pocket money and they've helped us be able to buy the chemicals that we need to run these tests, the swabs that we need to try and get the frogs. And, and it's, yeah, it, it's just been absolutely amazing. Um, and, and that's what turned things around for me. I was getting quite depressed. But, um, you know, there's an army of awesome humans out there that are helping us that are really worried and that are doing everything they can to, to help us figure out what's going on. Mm -hmm. So what are your major questions that you have left that you really want to answer soon? Well, we still want to understand, is it still happening? And unfortunately, I've got emails today. So, you know, we know it's still happening. So anybody that, that sees a sick or, or dead frog, please, you know, getting in touch with the Frog ID email, which is calls at frogid.net.au, because we really want to understand what species are being affected, where are they affected, and how this is happening sort of over time. So is it slowing down now? Are you still finding dead frogs? These are all really, really important things to understand the scale and nature. And it is a detective kind of work at the moment. So every little bit of evidence really helps us understand what's going on. 
In New South Wales, we're asking for frogs to, that are found dead um, to also be put into freezers and any sick frogs contact the, the same email, frog ID um, email, and, and let us know. We'll direct you to the sort of closest collaborating vet uh, to try and get to the bottom of this. Um, as we go forward, one of the biggest questions we have, obviously, is what is causing this? And we're, we're started working at that. We've been doing some sequencing and things already. Lots of examinations. So uh, Taronga Zoo and, and ourselves are really working um, working on that at the Australian Museum and many others. And then we want to know what impact has this awful event had on Australia's frogs. And hopefully that will be sort of two-pronged. So one being some targeted surveys, so the areas where we've had the most reports and particularly threatened species and things like that going out there having a look at the frogs, seeing if they're okay, testing them as well, just little swabs, um, and, and trying to see that they're all right um, or whether we've experienced serious declines. Uh, but obviously there's only so many frog biologists and Australia is huge, so we also need people out there using the Frog ID app and recording the calls of frogs because we have almost four years of data from the, the National Citizen Science Project Frog ID, and so that's a really great kind of baseline. The data's already helped us understand the impact of drought, fire, and we're hoping, and it very much will, provide um, the impact of this mortality event on Australia's frogs. So we continue to need everybody's help in, in figuring out this awful uh, mass mortality event. Yeah, yeah, we will absolutely provide links to all of those things. So, yeah, best of luck with that, Jodie. It sounds like a really rough time, but it sounds like you're out there doing really good work. I wonder if we could finish with maybe a little bit of a lighter tone. If you could tell me your favourite fact about frogs. Oh, uh, there's so many good facts. I guess uh, around frogs eating, uh, I think it's pretty cool. And this is one the kids tend to like. So most frog species are pretty, um, I guess they, they don't really think before they eat. So if they see something that kind of crawls in front of their face, most species do need something kind of moving, an insect or something, then they tend to just leap at it. Frogs' tongues are attached at the front instead of at the back like ours. So they kind of flick out and the sticky surface hits the insect or whatever it is, comes back into their mouth and they use their eyeballs to help them swallow. So if you see a frog kind of swallowing its eyeballs, which are usually up, kind of go down and they're in the mouth, kind of pushing the food down. Now, if they've made a mistake and they've eaten something that's a bit poisonous or toxic, they actually do have the ability uh, to puke their stomach up, wipe the food off, that's the, the sort of offending item and then put their stomach back in again. So, yeah, frogs are amazing. <laughs> that's so weird but so cool. I see why so many people love frogs. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to have a chat with me, Jody. And, yeah, best of luck with this research. I really hope we figure out what's going on. Thank you very much. Have a great day. See ya. Thank you. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode. Remember that you can head to cosmosmagazine.com via the link in the description for more great content. You can also subscribe to Cosmos Magazine, Australia's only science print magazine, and Cosmos Weekly with its access to our exclusive deep dive insights into the biggest issues. You can watch and listen to all our Cosmos briefings via the link that you'll also find in the description. And remember, if you support science and its communication, please support our work at the Royal Institution of Australia. I'm Chuck Smeaton. Today's interview was hosted by Lauren Fuge and our executive producer is Catherine Roberts. Thank you. Thank you.